Hi, Abigail. Thanks so Hi. much for joining us on Britain's Birth Story podcast. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Uh, would you like to start off by telling us who's in your family and uh, where you're all based? Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, there's me and there's my partner, Stuart, and our kids, Ruby, who is nearly eight, and Sunny, who's just turned five, and we're in Glasgow. Wonderful, wonderful. And uh, let's go straight on to your first pregnancy. Uh, mm-hmm. Was was this something that you'd thought about and planned, or was it something that had just happened? Uh, no, we had. We know we've been talking about it for a wee while. We've been together for about three years, um, and we've been talking about it. And um, I decided to go and have. I had a coil. I went and had it taken out, and. Um, we just thought we'd see what happened and actually amazingly luckily I got pregnant really quickly which was great really oh, good wow and yeah. um when you did get pregnant had you even thought about where and how you'd like to give birth no not at all mm-hmm. no not really I worked at the time I worked in a hospital in a children's hospital right and um I I always just had the the knowledge or the notion that I would give birth in hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, but I hadn't really given any thought to what alternatives there might be. I just was, I was quite comfortable with being in a hospital setting, I think, because I worked there. Yeah. Um, and so in my head, that was what was going to happen. Right, right. And how supported did you feel at that time with your partner and your family? How was all that for you? Um, that it was all pretty positive, to be honest. Ruby was the first grandchild in my side of the family, um, and um, she was not the first grandchild on the other side, but like only the second. So, family-wise, I'm really close to my family, and I was really well supported in the healthcare setting. Um, was really supportive as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And did you end up giving birth in, in the hospital that you worked at or did you go another route? I did. I ended up giving birth in the hospital I worked at um, and uh, I I went in, I was two days before my due date and I went in the middle of the night and I was there overnight um, and I had her in the morning. Wow, that's amazing. So, so if we can... I'd mm-hmm. love to, to go into how your labour started and how you progressed through that, if you don't mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was it was all pretty positive. So we'd done hypnobirthing. We'd done the Hmong and hypnobirthing class. Um, having been to an NHS antenatal class and walked out of it after about half an hour because it was, it was very based on pain and pain relief and um, I wasn't really into all of that I knew I wanted to have as natural a birth as possible so we chose a hypnobirthing class with friends um and we found we both found that incredibly um helpful and informative and empowering particularly Stuart who had no kind of previous knowledge or experience of birth or being around babies and I hadn't either to be honest so Mm um we really felt informed and like we could make choices and everything that we wanted to make about the labor and the birth 
Yeah. Um, having done the hypnobirthing, and I was really in, really into yoga, and so I was quite in tune with my body, and I wasn't afraid of the process at all. Yeah. Um, and the hypnobirthing really helped just to stay calm and everything, and I had a TENS machine as well just to help at the start. So I went into labour, um, sort of pains in my back started happening mid-afternoon one day. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember phoning my mum and saying, is this it? You know, could this be it? It was two, two days before our estimated due date. And she said, yeah, it could be, but don't worry. Um, and right enough, it was. So by about 10 o'clock that night, it was pretty certain that I was in labour. Um, and I was bouncing away on a ball and watching TV. And I ended up not really using the hypnobirthing tracks in the end. I didn't really feel I needed them. Mm-hmm. Um I was really, I felt really calm and in control and we put the TENS machine on and that just really helped me to, um, I, I think more as a distraction than anything else. Yeah. Um, and I've talked about this a lot now that I'm talking about birth and that that big button on the TENS machine when you have a contraction, it just gives you something to focus on and it really distracts you. So that really helped um, and by about one o'clock I think we'd phoned and said we were coming in um and the hospital was about 15 minutes away 10 yeah. 15 minutes away. so we went in I'd asked for a pool and that was all fine and the labor progressed very smoothly to be honest um in the water right up until maybe a couple of hours before and at that point I was knackered I was really tired the baby's heart rate was dropping a bit and so the midwife advised that maybe I should get out of the water and come up onto the bed. And I remember the transition stage just going, oh, what's going on? I can't do it. And my waters hadn't burst at the time. Mm-hmm. And when I got out of the pool, um, the membranes in the water like was kind of hanging in between my legs. And I was oh. like, oh, what is that? What's going on? Um, and I was saying, I don't want to be on a bed. I don't want to give birth on my back. And actually, it was totally fine. I was on my side um, for yeah. the last stage. Wow. Uh, so the only little kind of sort of, and it wasn't even a panic moment, but was a kind of, we need to get this baby out. You know, the, you're really tired and the baby's really tired and her heart rate's dropping a bit. So let's have one last big effort and push to get her out. And that's all I needed, basically. The, the midwife had said, oh, if we don't get her out soon, there's a there's a doctor coming behind the door. And there may have been and there may not, but that was what I needed just to kind of give the last right, right. effort. You know, and at the time, I thought nothing of it. And now that I look back, I'm like, mm, you know, is that okay? Is that not okay? Is that coercion to a certain degree? Or is, is that really what was happening? I never asked. Yeah. Um, yeah. I never asked. You just put your trust in your caregivers, don't you? And because it was quite straightforward and it wasn't an emergency, I guess I just did what I was told. Yeah. Yeah. And then, obviously, based on what you've said, I I assume you were able to push her out. Mm hmm. Yeah, I was. I was. And I had a wee bit of a tear, but it was fairly minor. Mm hmm. Mm -hmm. And and Um, how was the first few hours with her? It was amazing, actually. I, like when I remember saying to people that when she was put on my chest, I could hardly believe that there was a baby. 
Um, mm. You know, even though you know that you're pregnant and you're going to have a baby and there's a baby inside you, that that first moment where you see your baby, um, I was almost surprised that, that there was a baby there. Yeah. It's really hard to describe. I don't know if other people have described that moment to you in the same way. Yeah, no, definitely. A lot of people would describe it more as shock but obviously yeah. not, not in a horrendous way yeah yeah just yeah just a shock and almost a disbelief mm-hmm. i suppose that if if you if she had put a puppy on my chest i maybe would have had the same reaction it's just a total disbelief that there's this person all of a sudden in your life and the first few hours where were absolutely fine. I was really lucky. I was taken up to postnatal ward and I was given my own room. Oh, that's um, wonderful. Yeah. So I, we had a private space and my partner could stay and my family came. And within 24 hours, I was home. Wonderful. And, so, and, and had you thought much about feeding at this time? I had. And the feeding bit is where it all went a bit kind of belly up I guess because I wanted to breastfeed and when you when you're in and out that quickly in what 36 hours from being in labor to out and home there had been a kind of um perfunctory right we'll get her feeding and make sure she's peeing and pooing and then we'll send you away and I first time mum like every other mum I just thought well this feeding thing will be fine you know that'll be easy but uh, we found it really difficult um and we persevered and persevered and persevered and at nine weeks um we, it was fine we were feeding it was fine but I was in total agony right. um and at nine weeks I phoned someone I know um at the hospital I phoned the infant feeding team and I asked for help right. um, and it was just a positioning thing um no one had ever really spoken to me. The community midwives that came out were great, but they hadn't really spent a lot of time with me talking about feeding. Mm-hmm. And maybe I just said, oh, yeah, everything's fine. I'm feeding fine. And I didn't talk about how much it hurt because I assumed that's just what it was. And all it took from the infant feeding team was a look at the latch and a look at the positioning and a little bit of an adjustment. And everything was fine. Wow. And from then on, it was absolutely okay. Oh, so. that's great. And, and how yeah. long did you manage to feed for? I fed for, I breastfed for just about a year. I think we stopped the day before Ruby's first birthday. Amazing. Yeah. Um, and she was great. She was really good. She took a bottle of express milk, no problem. Oh, that's um, great. So I got a bit of time away as well. So mm-hmm. she was great. She was a very sociable baby. She was happy to go to other people, be held by other people. Yeah. Um, and and to be fed however she needed to be fed. And I'm saying all of this because the second time around it was quite different. Right, right. And, and based off what you've said, if you think about it now, mm. how do you feel about the care you'd received during labour and even afterwards? I have no complaints about the care I received. Right. None. Great. Great. None. I felt really, really supported. The midwife in the labour suite in the delivery room knew that we were doing hypnobirthing. She left us alone. She was there when we needed her. Um, the room was the way we wanted it. Um, and we were really well supported. Um, but it was a very uncomplicated labour and a very uncomplicated birth. Yeah. Um, 
So uh, I'm sure it would have been fine if it had gone any other way, but, you know, it was quite straightforward. Yeah, yeah. So that, I was really grateful for that. Wonderful. And uh, m- moving to the next step, mm-hmm. w- when did you think about having y- your second baby or was that something that had just happened? No, we again we we'd been talking about it. Um, it took a while for I think I was probably ready before um, Stuart was, um, and then again there was a kind of a, a plan and a and a coil removal, um, mm-hmm. and the same thing happened again. Luckily, amazingly, I got pregnant very quickly. Yeah, um, and Ruby was just over two. It was just after her second birthday. Wonderful. And and how did you want to birth this time? Had you thought about that in a different light? Um, no, actually, no. I, I was comfortable and confident with the way that things had gone the first time. Um, so I had thought about home birth the second time and just it wasn't for me, it wasn't for us to have a home birth. Um I was so comfortable with the hospital setting and because it had gone smoothly the first time, it just, a home birth just wasn't really in my mind at yeah. all. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, the plan was just to go back to the same hospital that we went to the first time. That's wonderful. And um, how, how were you feeling now that you'd also have a, a toddler with mm. you? So I, um, I, I guess I was a bit more anxious having been through um birth before yeah. um, and experienced it and you know whilst it was all manageable I suppose then you think about what what could have gone wrong the first time and is it going to be the same again and what complications and by then a lot of my friends had also had babies and had not had as smooth an experience as me so my head was kind of more full of the horror stories you know that of episiotomies and sections and forceps and inductions and everything so um and my anxiety was um around you know who's going to look after is everything going to be okay um and to combat it what we did was take another hypnobirthing we took a hypnobirthing refresher wonderful Um, yeah and as it as it happened my cousin was a hypnobirthing teacher so she did that with us which was brilliant that's great. That's great. Mm. And going straight into it, mm. can you recall how your your labour began and and how you progressed through that? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So this one was quite different. Um, the pregnancy was straightforward again, really fine. Um, but I went over my dates, um, and they started talking about induction at thirty nine weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, I was I was 39 and they are you know they started talking about induction at about 38 39 weeks you know if you don't if you if you go over we're gonna have to induce you and I was really adamant that I didn't want to be induced yeah um and I went over um so I got to 40 weeks and I went in for my appointment and she said right well let's do a sweep and thinking about it now and knowing what I know now because I've now trained as a hypnobirthing teacher and I'm training as a doula we did the sweep and I consented to the sweep but I didn't ask any questions at all 
about what the risks were and what the benefits were. And it sounds a bit daft having done two hypnobirthing classes before giving birth. It just didn't enter my mind. It was kind of like, well, this is what we do. At 40 weeks, we do a sweep. And I was like, okay. Um, so that's what we did. Right. Um, and she sent me away. And um, then my waters had had my waters went a tiny bit and they had been kind of trickling a bit and right. um at 41 plus something i can't remember three mm-hmm. two something like that i went in to be checked and she said right well what we'll do is we'll just um book you in for an augmentation and right. i didn't know what that meant um, and she said, and I asked her to explain, and she said, well, it's an induction. This is what we have to do when your waters have gone. And I said, well, it's, they've not really gone. It's just a wee bit. She didn't really explain. And I said, I, this isn't what I want. She said, well, we'll just make the appointment. It was for the next day. Um, we'll just make the appointment. And I left. And the, and when I left, I was like, no, hang on. I don't. This isn't what I want. And the day that she'd booked me in was a Friday, and I knew that if I went in on a Friday, I would give birth over the weekend. And I thought, I don't want to be giving birth over the weekend if I can help it because there's less staff around and stuff like that. Yeah. So I phoned, I left, and then I phoned and I said, I don't want to come in to be induced. And the woman on the end of the phone said to me, what do you mean? What's your plan? And I said, well, I'll just wait till Monday. And she went, oh, okay. She didn't argue with me, and we left it like that. And then as it happened, so this was the Thursday as it happened, um, I went in to labour on my own on the Thursday night. Wow. So it was okay. It was okay. And and the second labour was really fast um, and and felt quite different um, because the baby was spine to spine, so it felt much more intense. um, And it was much quicker. Wow, wow. So so how did you navigate uh, this birth, uh, getting to the hospital and, and getting so, yourself in that zone? We, um, so when I realised I was in labour, um, very quickly phoned my mum, she came over, I'd already put the TENS machine on and this time I did use hypnobirthing tracks um, just to keep me calm because the pain, the pain was much more intense than the first time around Um, and we went into the hospital quite quickly the whole process from the first contraction to the baby being born was just about three hours right Um, so it was much faster Um, and when we went in to the hospital the the midwife who triaged me was talking about pain a lot and every time I had a contraction she asked me if it was a pain and (laughs) Stuart had to take her out of the room and ask her to stop saying pain yeah because um, we just didn't want that word used. Um, and then we had a discussion around whether or not I was allowed in a birthing pool because the because my la- my my waters had burst over twenty four hours before. And right. this time I had done a bit of research and um, I knew that the risk of going in a birthing pool was pretty small. Um, and so 
in the end, it, it was fine. They, they filled the pool, and I and amazingly, the same midwife delivered the second baby that delivered the first. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and how was the 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 pushing? Did did were you in um, the pool or did you move somewhere else? No, again, I I was moved out of the pool, and I don't know. I can't remember if it was me or if it was the midwife that took me out of the pool. I have no memory of how that process happened. It was so quick right. and it was so intense. Um, but again, I was out of the pool um, and the pushing was the pushing stage was, I remember looking at my notes, it was 14 minutes of pushing right. and the baby was out. Wow, wow. And how were the first few hours mm. with the baby? The first few hours with the baby were were fine. Um, it was a wee boy. They wanted to discharge me after um, put me on a six hour discharge. Um, so he was born at five in the morning, and they said, "Well, we'll have you home by lunchtime." And I was like, "Oh, okay." Whoa. <laughs> um, and then what happened was I passed a huge clot um, when I went to the toilet, mm-hmm. and they decided to keep me in overnight. Yeah. Um, so, uh, what happened was that I passed the clot. I I phoned and I, or I called and I said, "This is what's happened." And they said, "Right, we'll get a doctor to come and have a look." And I went back to my bed in the labour in the in the postnatal ward, and the doctor came <laughs> with a whole lot of students and um, a great big plumber's torch. And I was like. You know, you know those torches that have a big square button on the top, yeah. like a huge red thing. And I was like, "What? Why? Are you, what are you doing with that torch?" And he used that torch to look inside me. Oh my goodness! <laughs> <laughs> I, I I was like, okay, I was absolutely mortified. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll I'll never forget that. As long as I live, and it's so, it's some it sounds so trivial, but I, it just felt really bizarre. Yeah, really bizarre. Anyway, I was fine. Um, we established breastfeeding a lot easier the second time. Again, I did get help from um afterwards. A few a few weeks afterwards, I went a lot sooner to get some help from the feeding team. Mm-hmm. Um, based on my first experience. Um, but everything was everything was okay. Great. And and how was the support that you received afterwards in terms of your midwives and your family? Um, it was good. It was really good. The midwives, community midwives were in for the first few days and then really quickly established that we were absolutely fine and we had a lot of support from family around. Yeah. Um, the first few weeks we, we um, approached quite differently the second time where we said, right, we're not having loads and loads of visitors. Um, and we really hunkered down and we didn't tell lots of people and we just spent the first few weeks in a little bubble, just the, the four of us and immediate family for support, mm. um, which was which felt much more manageable than the first time when I was pinned to the couch breastfeeding and it was just a parade of visitors um, to meet the baby. And... Um, we didn't do that. We deliberately didn't do that the second time around. You learn a lot, I guess, yeah. you know, from your first experience. Um, and this time around, it was quite different. The baby was, um, he was a real mummy's boy. Um, <laughs> and he fed a lot. He fed a lot. 
Um, so he was on the breast a lot and I didn't get a break. Um, no. And he wouldn't, you know, he he wasn't hugely comfortable being taken out of a room and taken away from me. He cried when I left the room. Um, and so it was quite overwhelming to have that plus a two and a nearly three-year-old as well. Yeah, yeah. But it felt quite different, you know, the second time. Mm-hmm. So, so how was the, the overall transition from one to two? <laughs> it was really hard. Right. It was really hard. Um, but we had loads of support. Um, the sleep deprivation, going from one to two, the sleep deprivation, having a toddler and a, and a newborn, I found incredibly difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a really strong person and I'm a really organised person, but I cannot function if I haven't had enough sleep. Um, and it was torturous because he... Um, he just fed and fed and fed all night and he wouldn't go in a Moses basket or anything. He just wanted to be next to me. And the thing that really changed everything was when I just said, right, well, this is how it's going to be. And he came in the bed with me and my my partner went into the spare room. Right. Um, and then everybody slept. And from then on, everything we did was based around how much sleep we could get. Yeah. And then everything was okay after that. You know, if we'd all had a good sleep, then we had a good day. Yeah, yeah. And 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 looking back on the care that you received this time, uh, what mm-hmm. what's your thoughts on it? Again, I, I have no fault whatsoever. Yeah. yeah. No fault whatsoever. It was it was great. It was they were supportive, and. Um, We had, you know, like I said, we had the same midwife the second time around. I had no idea at the time that she was the same woman until she said, oh, I remember you. And then Stuart remembered her. I couldn't tell you now what she looked like. (laughs) Oh, Oh, that's amazing. And and it sounds like uh, you're at peace with the experiences that you've had. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I am. And it's funny knowing what I know now and having done all the training and the birthing training as a, you know, as a teacher and the doula training that I'm doing. I actually pulled my birth plan out um, to have a look. And it was like, if I looked at it now, knowing what I know, it, it wasn't the way that I would advise someone to write a birth plan. We hadn't considered lots of things. Right. You know, I think we downloaded it from the internet and filled in some bits and pieces and if I was to do it all again, I would, there were, there's a lot of things that I would probably do differently in terms of considering risks and benefits and different scenarios that we just didn't didn't think about. Yeah, yeah. But we didn't need to. Mm-hmm. So, you know, in the end it was okay, but looking back and doing it again, I think I, I would prepare more. Yeah, yeah. Wow, it's been great having you on to discuss two different experiences, but but sort of in in a positive way, I suppose. Mm-hmm. It, it, they were both really positive. Honestly, they really were, and I feel really fortunate um, that I had two such positive experiences because I know that a lot of people don't. Yeah. Um, and so I don't take that for granted. Well, thank you so much for sharing. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Anna.